You are listening to the Technical File Podcast for Sunday, June 10th, 2018. I am your host, Manny Fresh, and I uh, hope you guys are enjoying your Sunday afternoon. Weather's kind of crappy outside. I don't know. It's weird in Washington State. It's like we don't really get a spring. It's just like winter, then summer, then winter again. It's like no real spring or fall. It's kind of, well, it's weird because... Spring just happens to like maybe like a month, maybe three weeks to a month in the entire year. And it happens to be June. So June is like our spring. So like you get a little bit of rain mixed with the sun, you know, that, that, that smorgasbord of a day where it's like sometimes it's sunny, then it rains, then it's sunny again, then it rains again. Then it's like, then it'll hail, then it'll rain again, then it'll be snow. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it's weird. That's Washington state, man. It's a fucking harebrained, harebrained weather. So summer's coming around. Usually we get summer like right around July 4th is when like summer really officially kicks in up here. It officially kind of kicks in. I mean, although we've had some pretty decent weather. I, I can't complain this year. We've had some pretty decent weather, but but summer doesn't officially like start. Like it officially kicks off like July 4th, like maybe like a couple days before July 4th, maybe like July 1st or something. It's June 29th or something like that. It's when it officially kicks off. And then, you know, we get summer all the way up to about the end of September. All the way about to end of September. Sometimes we get an Indian summer here and there, but for the most part, like towards the end of September, maybe early October, we'll have summer like weather. And then after that, it's just basically we, I, I lied. I, we usually do get some kind of a fall. We get more of a fall than we get a spring, but yeah, spring is just like non-existent here. It's just, it's weird because we usually, we go from like winter to like, I guess what you would call spring, but it's not really spring because it's still kind of cold. And while it's sunny, it's still cold. It's, it's weird. It's weird. Global warming, folks. Global warming. That's, that's, that's a lesson in today's, in today's podcast. Global warming is real. <laughs> it's throwing everything off. Shit. We got hurricanes in New York and the Northeast, you know, it, 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 hurricane, you know, hurricanes in the Northeast should tell you that global warming is real, but whatever. Anyway. Enough about the weather, man. Uh, it was a big sports day yesterday, and it was a big sports weekend. I mean, obviously, you had uh, obviously the NBA Finals concluded on Friday. Um, the NBA season concluded on Friday. Um, obviously, you had the uh, the Triple Crown race yesterday at Belmont, um, and then of course you had the Terrence Crawford Andrew Horn fight last night. You had UFC last night. I mean, it, you know. You know, the Subway series for all those who care. I unfortunately care because I'm, I'm a Met fan and I, no, don't worry. I, I will not waste your time with another Mets rant because they're done. They're officially, their season's officially over. So I will not talk about that team. Well, I'm, I'm not going to say I won't talk about that team on this podcast. I will not waste your time this show talking about that sorry ass team. So yeah. But anyway, Subway series was yesterday as well. Uh, a couple decent series in baseball throughout. So I mean obviously you got the baseball season going. Oh, the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs concluded on Thursday night. So just kind of the residuals of that. So it was a big honestly a big sports weekend. Probably one of the last uh, the French Open. Uh Nadal looks like he's about to claim another uh, French Open championship, which will be what I think is eleventh so it's a pretty big weekend for sports. And as you guys know, we're starting to get into that dead period in the year. Um, really after the NBA, well, no, because we got the U.S. Open coming up next week and then you got the World Cup. So this year will be a little bit different as far as that dead period of sports, but you guys know that dead period. It's really, it's really from like mid to late June 
all the way to about August, early August. I would say the first preseason game is that dead period where there's really nothing going on. I mean, obviously the baseball seasons and, and, and it's kind of in the middle point there, but it's baseball. It's 162 games. It's, it's hard to really, you know, it's hard to really pick out like, you know, one storyline that sticks out over the other. It's just kind of, it's, it's monotonous at, 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 at that point, really in the middle of the season where it's just ongoing every day. So, um, you know, basically outside of baseball, really that's it. I mean, obviously you have some, some open tournaments. Obviously you have the, the U.S. Open going on. Really after that, it kind of quiets down to about the first preseason, uh, you know, NFL game. That's usually the Hall of Fame, uh, the Hall of Fame game. Um, it, it, you know, well, training camps opening up is a big deal too. So I would say training camp, but that's, that's a small thing. Really, really to the first preseason game. That's when you really start seeing the sports kind of metered dialing back up. Um, this time of year isn't as bad because I'm a huge baseball fan. So it doesn't really bother me, but I know some people that it just absolutely, they just can't stand this time of year. It's just horrible. <laughs> They're not into baseball. So this time of year is like horrible because there's literally nothing to watch. They're not into golf. They're not into tennis. You know, they're not into the Little League World Series. So, you know, this time of year in sports is kind of dead to them. To me, this time of year is kind of the second dead period of the year. It's not as bad as the first. The first dead period of the year is, you guys know, that after the Super Bowl to about the start of conference tourneys in, 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 in March, that's the, that's the worst dead period of the year because there's literally nothing going on. The NBA seasons and in and out of the clouds. Um, you know, college basketball in and out of the clouds. I mean, unless you follow a particular program and I do. And even then it's still like, okay, it's still not, it's still not a lot going on. That post Super Bowl doldrum, you're waiting for the draft. You're waiting for something to pick up. I mean, it's just, it's really nothing going on. So that part of the year is still the worst. And, but this, this, I can see where this part of the year is a little bit rough for some people, especially if you, like I said, if you're not a baseball fan or into golf or tennis, then yeah, this part of this time of the year will really be dead. But yeah, man, it was a, it was a pretty decent sports weekend. Um, obviously the big story of the weekend, obviously, is the NBA finals. Uh, no surprise. I think, I think most rational thinking sports fans probably felt that this series was going to end either Friday night or no later than Monday. No later. Um, so no, really no surprise. Uh, Warriors complete a sweep of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think it's the most lopsided sweep in NBA history. I think I read somewhere or heard somewhere probably on ESPN. It's the most lopsided sweep in NBA history. Um, didn't really seem that way. I mean, you know, game one was close and game two was a blowout and game three was close. And then obviously Friday night was a blowout, but it didn't really seem that I, you know, I could have sworn there were other series that, that seemed like they were more or less competitive than this one. I don't know. This, this one, this one didn't feel as, I guess it's a credit to the Cavaliers. I guess, I guess we'll, we'll give them one little bit of credit. I guess that this one didn't seem. As non-competitive as the kind of final stat would indicate, um, I could have sworn there were other less competitive finals. I, you know, some of those, maybe the Laker Nets series probably felt a little bit less competitive, in my opinion. Um, but hey, I mean, you know, stats are the stats. So I guess we'll take it at that. But yeah, man, I mean, I guess no real, no, no real surprise. Um, Warriors take care of business. They win their second straight championship, third championship in four years. I don't think anybody should be surprised. Like I said, this was pretty much 
the uh, the going prediction around all the experts, everybody who does podcasts. I mean, most people. I mean, for the folks that actually thought that this series was actually going to have any kind of length, uh, God help you, because I don't know what the fuck you're watching, because <laughs> I don't know anybody who actually believed that this series was going to go longer than f- five games. I, mean, I Even if the Cavs had one game one, I don't think anybody believed that this was going to go five games. You know, so, or more than five games, I should say. So, um, so I don't know, I don't know what to say to you folks that actually thought the series was going to have some length to it or some form of entertainment to it. I just, I, I never believed it. I mean, even, even if they had one game one, like I said, I never would have bought that the word, you know, I, I would have just thought the Warriors would have won four straight. I, I just never thought that. Um, and I'll get into LeBron and, and, and his, cause I gotta, I gotta rant on LeBron a little bit. Of course, it's LeBron losing. So it's a good day. And then, of course, I have to rant about something, but no, let's get into the Warriors first. Um, the Warriors are the Warriors, man. I mean, they are the modern day dynasty of the NBA. Um, they are what the Bulls were in the nineties. They are where the Shaq and Kobe Lakers were in the early two thousands. I guess you want to count the Laker Pau, you know, the Kobe Pau Gasol Lakers were in the late two thousands, early to, or early to early. 2010s or the teens, whatever you, but however you classify that. Um, obviously the, the Celtics of the eighties, the Lakers of the eighties, um, they are a modern dynasty. I mean, they are who they are. They've, they've now won three championships in four years. Um, really when you think about it, it should have been four championships. I mean, think about it. If Draymond Green does not get suspended, uh, prior to game five of, uh, the 2016 NBA finals, I mean, we could be seeing a team that essentially has won four straight championships. Could be very well. It is very, a very strong argument that you could make that they, I mean, well, not even a strong argument. I mean, you could legitimately make that claim that if Draymond Green does not get suspended, we're looking at a team that's won four straight championships. I mean, they were, they were up 3-1 in that series. So, you know, it's, 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 it's not like it's a reach to say that. Um, but it is what it is. Three championships in four years. It's impressive. And, I really don't see this team going anywhere. Like, I know some people are, have been talking in the last couple of days about, you know, you know, where do the Warriors go from here? Can they, can, can they make this championship run last? You know, who's going to beat them? You know, all the, all the kind of the, the, the postseason, you know, synopsises that are given for every team and, 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 you know, where do they go from here? And, and I just honestly, I don't see anybody beating this, this, this team right now as currently constructed. Yes, they're going to probably lose some guys in free agency, some, some, some peripheral guys. I mean, and, but, but the, but the easy thing about them is that they can always replenish those guys because they're going to always going to have guys that want to sign there because the opportunity to play for a championship. So they'll be able to sign mid-level free agents. And I think what they've done more than a lot of organizations, especially dynastic, organizations is that they've been able to kind of continue to develop players. So you've seen them bring in guys like Patrick McCall. You've seen them bring in guys like, um, like Jordan Bell. Um, you've seen them bring in, uh, what was the kid, uh, that he left at free agency last year, I believe, um, Clark, you know, you've seen them kind of develop their own kind of young guys to supplement those veterans and to supplement, um, you know, the guys that they may lose from time to time here and there. But I mean, honestly, I don't see this team going anywhere. Durant's already said he's not going anywhere. He's, he's tearing up his contract, but he's just reworking it. So you're going to have guys that are probably going to take Clay Thompson's already saying he's taking below market value below what would he, what he would have taken if he was on the open market to stay with the Warriors. And I, I commend him for that. Cause if you're Clay Thompson, where are you going to go? You got a good thing going here. You have a chance to win 
at the very least six 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 championships with this team. You've already won three. You should have probably won four. You can easily win another two or three. So why would you go anywhere? You have a perfect situation. You're playing with Durant. You're playing with Curry. Why would you go anywhere else? Draymond's already locked up. Steph is locked up. So I don't see where this team is is going anywhere anytime soon. They're young. They're a young team. I mean, think about it. Curry's the only one that's 30. So I don't see where Draymond's, I believe, Draymond's a 27, I believe. Clay's 28 and Durant's 29. I believe Durant's 29 going on 30. Or if he just turned 29. I know Durant's 29. But other than that, their, their core four, whatever you want to call it, those guys are all 30 and under. So they conceivably got another five years of prime basketball for all those guys. The only guy you would be a little bit worried about is Steph with all the ankle and knee injuries. But the one thing about Steph is that I think he could play later on in his career. I think he could play up to his, his late 30s because he obviously could shoot. So once you can shoot in the NBA, you can play forever, as as has been proven by many, many folks. So... Yeah, I mean, again, I don't see this organization, I don't see this franchise going anywhere, this team, I should say, going anywhere in the next. They've got a window. I mean, their window is open now. I mean, for the next three to five years, I don't see anybody touching them. I really don't. Who's t- Okay, let's let's go through it. Let's go by the West. Who's touching them in the West? The Rockets? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, the Rockets, James Harden's already proven he can't win big games. Chris Paul is old, always injured. There's questions about whether he'll be resigned. I think they'll resign him. But even then, they couldn't beat him this year. Now, I know they lost Chris Paul. I get it. Fine. But like I said in two podcasts ago, they had a 17-point lead and a 15-point lead, and they blew both those games. So I don't want to hear about Chris Paul. But are the Rockets beating him? I mean, the Rockets did everything possible to beat them this year, and they still couldn't beat him. So, okay. The positive in you would say, the positive person in you would say, well, oh, well, next year will be different, blah, blah, blah. Dee, dee, dee. I got to believe it till I see it. So the Rockets, I don't think they're going to beat them. The Thunder, Russell Westbrook can't get out of his own way. So I don't see that happening. Who else is beating them? Minnesota? No. Carl Anthony Towns doesn't even want to stay in Minnesota if you listen to reports. So I don't think that's, that's happening. Um, who else? Portland? No. The Pelicans? No. I mean, who else is beating this team in the Western Conference? Who else is beating this team in the Western Conference? You know, I'm a Laker fan, and I love our core, and, you know, maybe the Lakers three, four years down the line, keywords, three, four years down the line, if Lonzo develops, if Brandon Ingram continues to take a growth, and Kuzma continues to grow and, and develop, I mean, maybe those guys can develop and, and turn into something that, you know, to mirror kind of what the Warriors did with their with their young guys as, as they all kind of grew and developed. Maybe the Lakers, three, four years down the line, that's a team, maybe. But, I, you know, other than that, I mean, who's beating this team? Who's beating this team? You give me... You give me one team. Damn, I'm burping. Um, you give me one team that you conceivably could conceivably can make an argument for that's going to beat this team. Maybe the Rockets. If you want to be if you want to be nice, I'll give you the Rockets. And I'm not even sold on the Rockets because I thought the Rockets had their opportunity this year, and they blew it. Other than that, who's beating them in the Western Conference? Who? You t- you give me a team who's beating this team in the Western Conference. Nobody is the answer. Nobody. Not Memphis. Not Phoenix. Hell no. None of these teams. None of these teams. 
And sure, you'll see some action in front uh, the Spurs. The Spurs, I, I don't know what the Spurs are right now. They're in transition. Manu, he might retire. He might come back. Tony Parker, who knows? Kawhi, the Kawhi Leonard situation is still hanging over their head. So the Spurs are a team in transition. So I don't even think you could throw the Spurs in. So who's beating this team? Who's beating this team? Nobody in the Western Conference. And in the East, the East is a little bit better to pronosticate because obviously you got a lot of young, up and coming, growing teams in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, you've got Boston. If they add maybe one more piece, if they get Kyrie and and and, and Hayward back, you know who knows? Maybe maybe the Celtics can challenge them in a, in a final next year. Who knows? Maybe it's conceivable. Obviously, LeBron and whatever team he decides to play for. Maybe they could challenge the Warriors in a, in a final next year. Again, obviously, smart money would be bet on LeBron and any team he's on to get back to a final. And then, of course, you have Philly. You know, can Philly, even if they don't add LeBron, if they continue to grow Simmons and Embiid and, and, uh, and, uh, what's the other kid? Uh, Sarge and they get something out of Fultz. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe they can continue to develop and grow. And maybe they're a challenger to the Warriors. So outside of the East, I don't know, maybe Milwaukee, if, if Giannis takes that next step, if, if Parker's healthy, I love the addition of, of, uh, of, uh, of their head coach. I love the, I love the new head coach. I think he did a great job in, in, in Atlanta. I think he's going to do an even better job in Milwaukee. Um, so I, I think that, I think that, the East is a little bit easier to kind of pick a team here and there that's going to challenge the Warriors. But in the West, nobody's challenging the Warriors. I just don't see it. I don't see it. So to me, this team is not going anywhere. They are not going anywhere. So this idea, this notion that, you know, there might be some chinks in the armor, that maybe the Warriors, this is their third championship. And, you know, anybody that's going to try to sell you on the Warriors, maybe, you know, maybe this dynasty can end soon here because obviously they've gotten to four straight finals. They've won three. How long can they last? I, to me, they can go as far, as long as all four of those guys, the core four guys are healthy and are able to perform healthy, generally healthy. Obviously they're going to have Knicks and Knacks here and there throughout the season. Obviously you saw Curry miss the start of the playoffs, but if those guys are all able and healthy, and able to perform up to the levels that we know them as. I, I don't. I don't see anybody challenging the Warriors for the next three to five years. Honestly. Honestly, I, I just. I don't see it. They should conceivably win three to four more championships, which is scary to think about. Literally, which is scary to think about. So, I guess congratulations to the Warriors, man. I mean, they are. They are the modern day dynasty of the NBA. Um, I don't think you can. I mean, I know people that are going to hate on the Warriors and 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 you know hate everything the Warriors do, hate the fans, and the fans are somewhat bandwagon. I get it. I, I understand that, you know. And and people hate dynasties for the most part. So I I get it. Um, I, what I don't understand is this notion that the that the Warriors are this super team that was built. The only thing that they built or added was Kevin Durant. And I was reading this great article that um, was published in Bleacher Report by Grant Hughes. I believe it's Grant Hughes. And he was talking about how the Warriors dynasty almost never happened. Because I think people forget that this was a team that was built from the ground up. This wasn't some some team that was constructed with superstars here, there, two, three, four guys coming together to form a super team. No, this was a, a franchise that was developed through the draft, through scouting, through 
great work. Before even before take Durant out of the category and take Durant out of the conversation, this was a team that was built from the ground up. And it, and the article kind of documents that very well, starting back in you know from the 2010 draft and drafting Steph Curry, and there was still some questions about Steph Curry and whether he would, you know everybody knew he had talent and it was a great shooter, but could he develop into something more? Could he be a guy that could be a face of a franchise? Could you build around him? Obviously, he had some some horrible ankle injuries earlier in his career that really hampered his 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 development. You know, really hurt Steph, and there was questions about Steph Curry. You know, there were questions about whether the ankle was going to hold up, whether his body, you know, his, you know, his slight frame was going to hold up through the rigors of the NBA playing 82 games every year. So there were questions about that. Obviously, drafting Clay Thompson and the redundancy between Clay Thompson and, and in some ways, Steph Curry. Obviously, they still had Monte Ellis. And remember when that was actually a debate, Monte Ellis and, and Steph Curry? I mean, so it, it kind of goes into all of that and how the Warriors had deals in place to maybe deal Steph Curry. Um, you know, it talks about the whole summer of Kevin Love. Remember that where the Warriors essentially had a deal in place to send Clay Thompson to Minnesota for Kevin Love. Just imagine if that would have happened, how different the NBA scene would have been. And, you know, whether that acquisition of Kevin Love, what does that do to Draymond? Would we, would we come to see and know the Draymond that we see now? Had Kevin Love gone to Golden State? I think you could conceivably make the case that most likely not. So, I mean, it's, in, it's an interesting article. So I always kind of laugh when people tell me, oh, the Warriors are this super team. The only thing that they've done that's been quote unquote super team ish is going out there and signing Kevin Durant. And you can make the case that if the Warriors don't lose the 2016 NBA finals in the fashion that they did, who knows? Maybe they resign Harrison Barnes and just don't go after Kevin Love or Kevin Durant. You can, you can make that argument. Who knows? We probably would never know, obviously, but I, I believe anyway, at least I strongly believe that had they won that series in five or six, that maybe, just maybe, they don't go out and sign Kevin Durant because they probably feel like, well, we don't really need him. We've won two straight championships. We already won 73 games in an NBA regular season. Like, what else do we really have to accomplish? Why go out there and sign Kevin Durant when we've basically won two championships with Harrison Barnes? So you can make the case that Kevin Durant probably doesn't even go to, okay, to Golden State. He probably says in okay. I don't think he says in OKC. But he goes to Boston or Houston or whoever the teams were that that wined and dined him that summer. He probably goes to one of those teams, and he never even goes to Golden State. So I always laugh at the notion that the Warriors are just this super team because they really aren't. I mean, they were. I mean, they're a super team now, of course, but they weren't built that way. The Warriors were built from the ground up. And I think you have to commend a lot of people in that organization. Bob Myers, obviously Jerry West, you know, a lot of guys in that organization that built that team. Mark Jackson, got to give him some credit. Although the Mark Jackson thing is a little bit over overrated too. The Warriors would not be here today if Mark Jackson was still the coach. I really believe that. Mark Jackson's a very good coach. I think Mark Jackson's a very good, solid NBA coach. But the idea that, oh, well, the Warriors would still be the Warriors now had them, had had Mark Jackson still been the coach. I, I don't know that. I, I think it's hard to say that. Because first of all, I don't I don't think that the Warriors would have played this way, this free-flowing style of basketball under Mark Jackson. I just I I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Now, obviously, we'll never know, but I think there's a strong argument to be made that I think that that doesn't happen. Who knows? Maybe Mark Jackson does trade or push for a trade for Clay Thompson. Maybe, you know, who know? I, we don't know what happened. So, so to say that Mark Jackson 
doesn't get there. I think he deserves some credit because I think he developed that team. But I think that that team kind of reached an apex with Mark Jackson. Plus, Mark Jackson did a lot of things off the court that really annoyed Warriors management and the Warriors ownership. I mean, let's not forget, Mark Jackson, while he was the coach of the Warriors, campaigned behind people, behind closed doors, campaigned to get the Clippers job before they brought in Doc Rivers. Let's not forget that. While he was the coach of the Warriors, he was actively trying to get that Clippers job. I think that annoyed management. I don't think he ever had a warm and fuzzy relationship with, with Bob Myers and, and, you know, the GM and the executive staff on that team. So, I mean, look, I'll, I'll, Mark Jackson's demise from the Warriors was, was self-inflicted. That being said, I think he does deserve some credit. So, I mean, you credit a lot of people. So look, the Warriors are here to stay. The Warriors are here to stay. I, I don't see anybody beating them in the next five years, basically, definitely for sure in the next three years. Definitely for sure. I, I I just don't see it. Find me a team. Again, I'll be nice and give you give you the Rockets. But I think the Rockets missed their opportunity this year. See, sometimes when you're one of these teams and you got a chance to beat a dynasty like this, you got to strike while the iron is hot. You got to beat them then. You don't you don't sit there and say you don't fuck around. You don't mess around. You don't sit there and say, oh well, we lost this year and we blew two double digit leads, one in the road, one on home. But we'll get them next year. We'll have our chance next year. Sometimes next year doesn't come. Who knows? Next year, first game of the year, Chris Paul breaks a hip. He's out for the year. Who knows? James Harden slips on a banana peel, breaks his wrist. He's never the same the entire year. A lot of things can happen. A lot of things can happen. I remember Sacramento thinking that uh, they lost in 2000, you know, they lost in 2002 to the Lakers. And, you know, that grueling, that amazing, that classic seven game Western Conference final series. I'm sure if you asked many Kings fans, they would have thought they would have told you that, oh, we're gonna be back next year. We're gonna be back next year, 2003 season. That's our season. We'll we'll finally dethrone the Lakers, blah, blah, blah. Shaq and Kobe a year older, more wear and tear, blah, blah, blah. Dee, 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 dee. Kings never got back. Kings never got back. So it's a cautionary tale to a lot of teams out there that when you have a team like the Warriors, a dynasty, like the Warriors, when you like the Lakers, Bulls, etc. When you have them on the ropes, you got to kill them. You got to punch them. You got to knock them out. You only get these opportunities so often. So we'll see. We'll see. As far as the Cavs, um, again, I don't think there's any surprise from the Cavalier standpoint. They just weren't as talented as the Warriors. Um, so I don't think you can really rip the Cavaliers for their performances. I mean, I, 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 I don't know what they could have done. I know a lot of people bring up game one and, you know, maybe if the Cavaliers win game one, who knows? Who knows how this series plays out? Bullshit. Look, had the Cavaliers even won game one, okay, maybe this is a little bit more of an entertaining series. Maybe game two plays out a little bit different. I, You can argue that. I'm not going to go there. I still think this is a five-game series. I, okay, maybe if they win, maybe if the Cavs win game one, at most, you get a six-game series. I just don't see it. I don't see it. I think the Cavaliers, from opening tip, they were destined to go out in either four or five. And I don't think anything that they did in game one, I thought game one was more about the Warriors kind of taking the Cavs lightly, not really kind of, I think the Warriors kind of came into the series thinking that, ah, we're just going to run through these guys. And the Cavaliers did a great job of coming out. LeBron had an iconic, legendary performance. Um, 
some dubious calls there here and there. But I, like I told you last podcast, I don't want to hear anything about, oh, the ref screwed. You know what? George Hill had the game on the line at the free throw line, a 11 year veteran, a guy who's an 80% free throw shooter, by the way, hit the free throws. I don't want to hear anything else about J.R. Smith and forgetting the time or the score. None of that. I don't want to hear it. Hit the free throws, win the game. So, but again, I don't think you could be surprised from the Cavaliers standpoint. I think they they played pretty competitively in the series, I think, for the most part. Um, I know the, the stat indicates this is probably the most lopsided NBA final series, but it didn't seem that way. You kind of felt like the Cavaliers really played harder than I think most people would have given them, especially after how game one ended up. But again, it's they just didn't have the talent the Warriors do. So the Cavaliers go down, get swept. And now the conversation, unfortunately, if you're one of those like me who are completely tired of summers of LeBron's, um, here we go again. You know, now we're back to the summer of LeBron. The conversation now turns to will he or won't he? Will he resign? Will he go? Um, and then obviously if he does leave, if he does leave Cleveland, then there's a lot of residual moves that are going to happen after that. Obviously, what did he do with Kevin Love? Some of the, you know, does Tyron Lue come back? I mean, everything is on the table for that organization, everything. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting. And the interesting thing is too, from the Cavaliers perspective, and we'll get into LeBron and his free agency decision, uh, if not next week's show, a little bit closer to the start of free agency, two shows from now. I'm thinking about getting our friend Noah Tour on the show to kind of break down free agency and what he thinks is going to happen and all that. But so we'll talk about kind of other teams and other free agency decisions that LeBron may make as we get closer to free agency. Right now, I'm just focused on the Cavaliers. The Cavaliers are going to be interesting because they have the eighth pick in the NBA draft. And as you guys know, the NBA draft is coming up at the end of this month before free agency. Now, you would think, what are the Cavaliers are going to do? Are the Cavaliers going to dangle that pick as trade bait to get another star to come in there and play with LeBron? But here's the catch. If they trade that pick and LeBron leaves, let's okay, look, let's play this out this way. There's two ways that this can go. Obviously, they keep the pick, and depending on who falls to them, I don't think this is as deep of a draft as other people are saying it to be. I think there's about five really, really good players in this draft. I think last year's draft was a lot better than this year's draft. I think there's five really good players in this draft. Um, Bagley, Ayton, um, Bridges. Um, the, the other kid from, from Villanova, um, I think, uh, I think the kid from Oklahoma is going to be really good. So there's about four or five guys, and then there's about five to seven guys that are kind of in between. They're boom or bust guys, in my opinion. Muhammad Bamba, guys like that. But to me, like it's this is a tricky situation that the Cavs are in because it could play out one of two ways. They could keep the pick. Obviously, they don't know what LeBron's gonna do. I'm sure they're gonna have conversations between, you know, from yesterday all the way up to July 15th. So I, I get that. But let's just say for for a minute, if we're talking here, the Cavs keep the pick. And they draft, you know, Michael Michael Bridges or whatever. I think that's his name. The kid from Villanova, Michael Bridges. Okay. Is that enough to entice LeBron to stay? Now, argument would probably say no. 
The only, the only young guy that, cause I think LeBron's at the point now where I'm not sitting here waiting for some rookie to develop. Now, if it's, De, you know, DeAndre Ayton or, Mar, you know, Marvin Bagley or even Luka Doncic, I think that, okay, there's a little bit of a different argument. But obviously the eighth pick in the draft, you're getting the eighth, conceivably anyway, the eighth best player in the draft. So I don't think the eighth bless, the eighth best player in the draft is enough to keep LeBron. But here's the catch 22. If the Cavaliers say, okay, we're we're a win now team. We're trying to keep LeBron here in Cleveland. Let's trade that pick, or at least let let the less the rest of the league know that that tr- that pick is up for grabs. Do we make that pick available? Trade that pick to some organization to get a star, or to get a package of stars, or a package of good players to join forces with LeBron. Now here's the catch twenty two. Who are you going to trade that pick to that is going to enable you to get a star? And what if you get a star or you get a very good package in return, but that's still not enough to entice LeBron to stay? Now you've essentially fucked yourself because, A, that eighth pick could could have gone to expediting or at least helping your rebuild in the post-LeBron era. And now you basically traded away for some veterans who are not going to help you any more or any less than you would have originally. So I, I... it's a very tricky situation for the Cavaliers. It's a very tricky situation. It's very interesting. What do they do with that eighth pick? I think that's a fa- I don't think that's, I don't think that's gotten enough play. I really don't. I, nowhere this weekend, and I've, and I've heard some of the posts, you know, finals coverage and, and, I, and everybody's obviously talking about the LeBron decision and the broken hand and trust. I'll get to that. Um, and all, and everything in between. But I haven't much heard about what the Cavs do with that eighth pick because again, the, the, the draft is what, Today's the 10th. The draft is like the 27th. So it's two weeks away or something like that. The NBA draft. So essentially, they've got two weeks to decide, are we going to keep this dra- keep this draft pick and use that along with others to entice LeBron to stay? Or are we going to trade this pick and just take the chance that LeBron's going to want to come here? Or wanna gonna or gonna take the chance that he's gonna want to stay? And we're going to trade that pick and try to get some, you know, some uh, either a star or a package of really good players back. Very interesting. Or do they say the hell with it? Just keep it. Let LeBron just go because they're tired of it. And I don't think that I really don't. I think they're going to try to do everything possible to make him stay. But I think it's going to be interesting. And, and, and if you look at it from the other standpoint, who exactly can they get with that pick? Who exactly can they get? Who exactly is the only guy that comes to my mind is Anthony Davis. And I don't think the Pelicans are trading Anthony Davis anytime soon, at least not this summer anyway. So that's out of the question. So who else are, are they going to give the Celtics that pick to get Kyrie back? Obviously that's not happening. So where exactly are you going? Are you, you know, are you trading that pick to Toronto to get DeMar DeRozan to play with LeBron? Uh, yeah, I don't say that would be funny and ironic, but I don't think that's going to happen. So where exactly are you going? I mean, are you trading that pick to OKC to get, Car- you know, to get not, not to get Carmelo, but to get, you know, Russell Westbrook? I don't think Russell Westbrook's getting traded anytime soon. I don't think OK, I think OKC should think about trading uh, Russell Westbrook, but I don't think they will, obviously. And even then, I don't think the eighth pick is going to do it. So who exactly are they getting? I don't see the star out there from another team that's currently under contract that they can trade. I mean, I guess, I mean, would the, would the Trailblazers think about 
maybe dealing DeMar, you know, Damian Lillard? That's the only guy that I can think of. Well, him and Towns. Him and Towns. Would Minnesota take the eighth pick for Carl Anthony Towns? I don't, I don't think so. I really don't. I really don't. Because why would Minnesota trade Carl Anthony Towns? Even if he is quote unquote unhappy in Minnesota, you would think if it was a battle between Thibodeau and Towns, they'll let Thibodeau go before they let Towns go. But who knows? Who knows? Or, or here, here's this one. Would they, would they trade the eighth pick to Minnesota and get back Andrew Wiggins? Interesting. LeBron didn't love Andrew Wiggins, you know, a couple years ago, a few years ago. Why would he take him now? Uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting. I don't see. I mean, the Portland one is interesting too because does Portland decide to kind of rearrange their team? Um, there's been a lot of not big rumors, but a lot of whispers that maybe Portland might try to rearrange that team a little bit. That they kind of figured out that having a team built around two small guards that kind of do the same thing is not exactly a winning formula. So, and they're capped out and they're going to try to re-sign Nurkic. So who knows? Maybe they might trade. I don't think they'll trade Lillard. I can see them trading McCollum. I don't think they'll trade Lillard. Lillard. But I mean, it's 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 a conversation worth having. So, but again, I, I don't see where there's a star out there that's going to help the Cavaliers and their, and their quest to try to keep LeBron there. Now, the likeliest of options is to try to keep LeBron there is that they say, hey, you know, re-sign with us and then we'll try to get a veteran or one of these free agents, i.e. Paul George, to come here for less money and team up with you. Plus this eighth pick that we have, be that, may that be Trey Young, Michael Bridges, whoever. And, you know, plus with the, with the pieces that we have here already in place and go from there. I, I don't know. I don't know. So it's going to be very, very interesting. Very interesting. Um, let's talk about LeBron for a second. Obviously, this is his uh, sixth finals loss. He is now three and six in the finals and nine appearances. Um, I am not one that tends to give LeBron James a fucking pass. I don't believe in passes. I don't believe in passes when you're talking about sports. Oh, well, this guy gets a pass for this. No. Part of being a great player is when you when everything goes when you win and everything goes your way, you get, if not all the credit, you get 75, 80% of the credit. So when you lose, I think it should be fair. You get 80% of the blame. I think that's fair. I don't, you can't have it both ways. And this is the thing that drives me insane. And it's not just with LeBron fans, but just in fans in general. It's like when, superstars are graded on a higher curve than other people, than other players. But that's, that's, that's how it is. When you're a great player and you win, you get a lot of the credit and you get bouquets thrown at you. And when you don't win and when you lose and you constantly fall short, you should get some blame. Now, obviously, no one's going to sit here and completely kill LeBron James for losing this series. The Warriors were just better. The Warriors were better. I don't think anybody, even the, the hater in me can't sit here and completely destroy LeBron James. Like, I get it. The Warriors were just better. But the no, but the notion that we're just going to completely just absolve LeBron of any kind of blame because, oh, well, he just doesn't play with any. First of all, I have long been on record as saying that I don't think that this 
Cavaliers roster is as bad as other people and the LeBron camp and the LeBron sycophants want you to believe. Like, I think this is now look, do I think this is a championship winning roster? Probably not, but I don't think this is dog shit either. Like, I don't think this is the 2007 Cavs. I don't think this is the 2006 Lakers, Smush Parker, anyone. I don't, I don't see a Smush Parker on this roster. Like, I think this is a roster full of pretty good players. Like, Rodney Hood was a good player in Utah. The only reason he got shipped out is because the emergence of Donovan Mitchell. But Rodney Hood was a very good player in Utah. Like, people forget that. Rodney Hood was a very, very good player in Utah. Not an all-star, but a guy that people thought could take that next level and be a very good, solid, you know, 17 to 18, 19 points a night guy. Jordan Clarkson was a good player on the Lakers. He didn't do shit with the Cavaliers. I don't think that's all been his fault. I think it's been some Tyron Lue. I think it's been some LeBron. Larry Nance is a good player. Jeff Green, at times in his career, has been a good player. George Hill was a very good player in this, very good and strong, has been a good player in this league for a long time. For a long time. So again, tell me where this team is terrible. Where this roster, this addition, this, and then of course, we're not even talking about Kevin Love. Kevin Love is an all-star who's been severely misused in Cleveland. Severely. And I don't love Kevin Love. I think there's things, you know, at times he can be a little soft. You know, he's a stat, he's a stats, he's a stat pusher. He's a guy that in Minnesota, all he did was put up numbers and never won. So I'm not the hugest Kevin Love fan, but, but I gotta be real. Kevin Love is an all-star. Kevin Love is a very good player. So where this, the 2007 Cavs had no one near the talent level of Kevin Love. No second player, nowhere, nowhere near the level of Kevin Love. Gotta be honest. So again, this narrative that the LeBron James camp wants you to believe that, oh, he has no help and that these guys are a bunch of bums and scrubs. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. BS. So I don't subscribe to that theory. I really don't. Now, I don't think Tyron Lue's a big time coach. I've never been a Tyron Lue fan. But he did win a championship. So he's got at least a quote unquote championship level coach. So again, I, I don't understand how LeBron gets a pass. He lost. He lost. He is now three and six in the finals. Is it all his fault? No. But record speaks for itself. And again, all I ever hear is LeBron is this. LeBron is the GOAT. LeBron is better than Jordan. LeBron is this. LeBron is the closest player to Jordan. LeBron is the greatest player to ever lace up basketball sneakers. LeBron parted the Red Sea. LeBron walks on water. LeBron can cure cancer. That's all I ever hear. All I ever hear. Well, okay. I want to see wins. I want to see championships. You are now being measured to a higher level. People call it chasing ghosts. Okay, call it that. Now you are measured in that realm because, of course, all of your fans always tell everybody else that you are on that level. Three and six in the finals. Three and six. The record speaks for itself. But I don't want to make this a a, a knock on LeBron James from losing the finals. My biggest problem with LeBron and, and people always ask me, why do you hate on LeBron James? Da, 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 da. And there's a myriad of reasons. 
Myriad reasons. But you saw the biggest reason why I can't stand LeBron. Late Friday night, not even, I swear to you, not even 20 minutes after that game. Hell, the fucking Warriors were on the podium celebrating still. And you're already hearing the scutterbug on Twitter. USA Today breaks. LeBron James played with a hand contusion, possible broken hand in the finals. And I I literally went apeshit. I literally lost my shit. I was like, really? Really? Is this what we're doing now? Is is this like really LeBron camp? Really? Like, is this is what we're going to do now? I didn't hear shit about a broken hand the entire series. Nothing that would have even given it away that LeBron had a broken hand. But of course, 20 minutes after the game, the narrative is already starting to get crafted. The narrative is already in the kitchen, already being stirred and ready to be served to the rest of the media to fucking scoop up, to scoop up that LeBron had a broken hand. And that's the excuse why they lost their series. Who knows? Maybe if he had two working hands, the series would have been a little bit more competitive. Like, really? Is this what we're doing now? And then, of course, LeBron does nothing to not play up that notion by then showing up to the press conference in a nice little cute little cast on his hand. I'm like, come on, dude. Like, really? Like, really? Like, if it wasn't enough that your ca- and his camp leaked it. If you, if you think anything otherwise, you're fucking stupid. Really? Who else leaked? So USA Today had this story for days on end, and all of a sudden, oh, randomly, they just obtained a anonymous tip that LeBron had a broken hand. Who, did, who the hell do you think gave it to him? Was it the Cavs? The Cavs were all in the locker room soaking. It was the LeBron James camp. It was Rich pulling them. Why? To already spin and stir the narrative that, oh, don't blame LeBron. Don't knock LeBron. LeBron play with a broken hand. Give him a break. Give him a pass, quote unquote. You must be kidding me. I mean, you literally must be kidding me. It's unbelievable. It really, it really is unbelievable. And then, of course, he shows up to the post-game show, post-game presser with a cast in hand. You know, oh, oh. And then the, and then and then I hear, oh, well, he only wore it because the news was already out. He got word that the news was out, so bullshit. Bullshit. It, it, that's the thing right there that just makes me not like LeBron James. The media games, the narrative that is surrounded, that constantly gets spun in LeBron's favor to give LeBron a constant pass. Because again, we can't blame LeBron James. He's only human. He can't do it all by himself. Oh, poor LeBron. He has no help. He's, he's playing with a bunch of D-leaguers. Playing with a bunch of D-leaguers. Poor LeBron. That's why I can't stand LeBron James. That that right. If you wanted an example, if you wanted a a direct example of why me and I'm not the only one. A lot of people feel this way. Why they can't stand LeBron James? That is the perfect example right there. Like seriously. But you know what? I was actually I actually felt refreshed because for the first time you saw people in the media that weren't buying it. That Stephen A. Smith ripped it. Charles Barkley ripped it. Some other folks in the media ripped it. They didn't like it. They didn't like it. They felt like that shit was Bush League. They felt like that shit was complete and utter Bush League and childish and immature and phony as shit. Like, nah, I don't want to hear about a broken hand now. Okay, in the next week or two, 
few weeks when we finally get a little bit detached from the finals, maybe your introductory press conference for the Sixers or whatever other fucking team you decide to want to, you know, go to and you want to, you know, divulge information about the Cavs and, and and your this past season and how you play with the bro then I think it's a little bit more acceptable but not 20 minutes after the final like no bullshit it was like 20 minutes after the final like literally after that game like the Warriors were still on the podium accepting the Bill Russell MVP award to Kevin Durant which was bullshit by the way I thought Steph Curry should have got that fucking uh, MVP but whatever and this man is out here basically telling the world hey don't blame me I got a broken in Hey, see, look, look at the cast. I played hurt. Had a little owie. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's, 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 it's typical LeBron. It's typical LeBron. But anyway, uh, you know, so again, I can't, I don't think we can, I don't think any one of us can be surprised at the outcome of this series, like I said. Um, and I don't see anybody stopping the Warriors train. I really don't. I really, really, really don't. I, I I really don't. Again, tweet at me. Tell me who, tell me a team that you legitimately outside of maybe the Rockets, and I'm being generous by giving some of y'all the Rockets. Outside of the Rockets in the Western Conference, who's competing with the Warriors? Nobody. Nobody. So, I think the Warriors. This train is going to keep on track. It's going to keep rumbling through until somebody proves that they can beat this team. So. So yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know, I don't know, I really don't know. Another thing I wanted to get into, and I found this, I found this interesting, but interesting for, and I'm not gonna get into the fucking Donald Trump Eagles thing. I mean, are we surprised? I mean, it, there's nothing more that we could say on this topic. There's nothing more that we could say on this issue that would cause us to be any more stunned or surprised. Obviously, the Eagles weren't going to, or the majority of the Eagles players were not going to show up to the fucking White House. We knew this. So it was stupid for them to hold the fucking ceremony for 20, for what, 20 players that were going to, 10 that were going to actually show up. So, of course, when 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 Trump found out that he was basically about to be embarrassed, he, he disinvited them. He disinvited them. You're not allowed to come there. We don't want you to come here anyway. And then his celebration of, of America... <laughs> God almighty. God almighty. Uh, anyway, I, I'm not even going to get into that because it's just, what else is there left to say? Honestly, what else is there left to say? What else is there, what else is there left to say that we don't know? But anyway, I thought it was interesting. Um, Alexander Ovechkin claimed his first Stanley Cup, you know, Thursday night. And it's interesting because Ovechkin and LeBron are, are really similar. Just these two just amazing, physically gifted specimens, athletes, guys that have dominated their sports for individually for 10, 15 years, both. Guys that are measured on championships and greatness. I think the difference with Ovechkin than LeBron is that he's come into the league with another another prodigy with him. Like LeBron came into the league and he was LeBron. He was the singular figure and he was already being anointed the next Jordan, the next guy. Kobe was already in the league, so it was a little bit different. Kobe had already been in the league for five, six years. Ovechkin came into the league the same year Crosby came into the league. And they were both, their careers have been synonymous ever since the first day those two guys played 
in the NHL. And you were either an Ovechkin guy or a Crosby guy. And people actually compared the two. So those two guys have been on those same mantles for this entire run. 13, 15 years for both. LeBron came in the league in 03. Ovechkin and Crosby came in in 05. So that's been the biggest difference between Ovechkin and LeBron is that LeBron hasn't had that quote-unquote peer that he's been measured against. I mean, Kobe to a certain extent, but when LeBron started coming into his peak, Kobe was already on the downturn, and then obviously Jordan was retired. Ovechkin, his entire career, he has been on a parallel line with with Sidney Crosby. So obviously Sidney Crosby has three Stanley Cups. Ovechkin... The Stanley Cup eluded him for so many years. Talented, great Capitals teams. Ovechkin, three MVP awards, but never could get his team over the hump. Never can get his team to a winning formula. And there was a lot of questions about Ovechkin. I've always questioned Ovechkin. I never doubted Ovechkin was a tremendous, tremendous hockey player. Just physically imposing, can dominate the ice. I mean, any series he played, he was the most dominant player on the on the ice. So I never questioned Ovechkin's greatness. I always questioned that Ovechkin have that that intangible, that winning mentality, that winning attitude that that allowed teams to go over that next that 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 next edge, that next hump, that intangible that Sidney Crosby had, that intangible that Wayne Gretzky had, that that Messier had, that that Lemieux had, that Bobby Orr had. And these are the guys that Ovechkin is compared to. Ovechkin now is the only guy, the only guy to win to win the Hart Trophy and the Conn Smythe Trophy in the same year. Or Ovechkin or Gretzky and Lemieux are the only guys that have ever done that. The only guys. So these are the guys that we're comparing Ovechkin to. But I always doubted Ovechkin, can he really be a winning player? I didn't like his attitude in years prior, in past series. I didn't think he had a winning attitude. I didn't think he was a guy that when push came to shove, he can will a team to a championship. And this year, he shut me the fuck up. He shut me up. And it's interesting because this Capitals team... Is not near. This is the by far the least talented Capitals team he's been on in this in this the last five six years. I thought the most talented team was the year that they lost to the Rangers in Game Seven. I believe it was 2016 in the conference semis. Because I thought they were the best team in the league that year. But this this you know it's interesting because Ovechkin has has you know. He's kind of been on the same parallel as as LeBron in a lot of ways. They're 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 very similar in a lot of ways. But Ovechkin finally did it. And guess what? Ovechkin didn't have to form a super team. I know it's different in hockey, but Ovechkin didn't have to form a super team. He actually just led his franchise to a championship. And finally got that monkey off his back. Now, I'm still not ready to put him in the top 10 all time. I think he's still got to win another Stanley Cup before I go there. I think if he wins two, I think he's definitely... I think right now, Ovechkin's maybe top 15. Top 15 all time. You know? 
Obviously, your top 10 begins in some in some way, shape, or form with Wayne Gretzky, with Lemieux, Gordie Howe, Bobby Hull, Bobby Orr. Crosby's got to be in the discussion. So is he in that discussion in that top 10? I don't know. I think it's I I I don't think he's there just yet. I think if I think if he wins another Stanley Cup, then I think you can clearly put him in the top 10. I mean, think about it. Some of his contemporaries already have three or more. Patrick Kane has three. Sidney Crosby has three. So I think he needs to win another championship to really cement himself as a top 10 all-time and immortal. But, I mean, Ovechkin is a great player. And he's been a great player for a long time. So I, I, I was itch- Luke is obviously a Capitals fan, so I had to actually talk about this. But I thought it was interesting because me and Luke has always talked about this, how, you know, Ovechkin and Crosby and how, you know, it, it, it's kind of similar for you non-hockey fans. I'm not trying to bore you all. But it's kind of similar to the Brady-Manning discussion. Obviously, Brady and Manning were on these parallel paths. And, you know, who would you have? Who would you rather have? You'd rather have Brady or would you rather have Manning? I was always a Brady guy, even though I can't stand both of them. And I definitely can't stand Tom Brady. I was, I was always a guy that always wanted Tom Brady because I always felt like Tom Brady had those, those, that clutch factor, that intangible that I never really saw with Peyton Manning. And I think, and that's similar with Ovechkin and Crosby. While Crosby is a supremely talented player, Ovechkin is just, I mean, Ovechkin's just a fucking monster. But the intangibles, the winning mentality, those things are things that you would rather have in in Crosby than I don't think you always see in Ovechkin. So, you know, it's interesting. I I found that found that very very interesting. Very very interesting. Um, yeah. That that's it. So, you know, it's interesting. So, shout out to the Caps. Uh, pain me to have to watch them fucking win a Stanley Cup, but I guess shout out to Luke too. His 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 uh, wonderful Capitals have finally broken through. I guess they they finally had to win it one of these days. So shout out to Luke, man. <laughs> I heard from Luke on Friday night too, so he was you know I gave him a day. He gave me a day to kind of to 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 you know to rejoice a little bit in his in his in his joy, and then he finally was like, "Yo, what's good." Fucking capitals. You know Luke. You know Luke. Never short on 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 words. Our friend Lucas. So yeah, he's hype. His capitals won. But yeah, shout out to the Capitals, man. You know, Lord knows they had to win a big series eventually. And this was the year that they finally did it. Finally did it. So they finally broke through. Winning the Stanley Cup. Ovechkin gets his first. So let's see now. Let's see if Ovechkin can keep doing this. I mean, he's still he's still at the top of his game. He's still, you can argue that he's still got maybe another three to four years of top flight hockey left in him. So let's see. Let's see. He should be able to win at least a couple, you know. I would think Barry Trotz is going to come back. Uh, there's a lot of questions about Barry Trotz and his coach and his contract and whether he was going to come back. I think obviously if they had lost this series or not, not, not if they had lost, I think if they had lost again to Pittsburgh, um, in the semis, I think you would have definitely seen Barry Trotz out. But I think getting through Pittsburgh and then obviously getting to a Stanley Cup, then I think that I think it's all but certain now that Barry Trotz, if he wants to come back, and I think I don't see why he wouldn't. I think Barry Trotz is definitely coming back. So let's see. Let's see if they if they keep this this core group together and continue to try to win another another Stanley Cup next year. As long as you have Ovechkin, you have a chance. And now that he's broken through, I mean, who knows? He might, you know, the monkey's off his back now. Less pressure on him. So we'll see. We'll see. Like I said, I'm not going to talk about the Mets. Oh, oh my God. Eight straight losses. Eight, eight, 
Eight straight losses. And you know what's bad is that they just, they just find new ways to lose. They really, they just, they just find new ways to, like, just when you think they can't figure out another way to lose, that they surprise you. And then, of course, Cespedes leaves his rehab game early. He was supposed to come up, he was supposed to come back early next week. He leaves his rehab game early last night with quad tightness. So here we go again. Syndergaard can't start tonight because he fucking has swelling in his finger playing catch. Familia's now on the D. Oh, God almighty. Jesus Christ. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Why did I, why did I decide to be a Met fan? Why? Why did I do this to myself? Why did I, why, why was I sitting there back in 1994 and decided, you know what? This team with the blue and orange, that'd be a cool team to root for. My daddy likes them and I like them too now and they have good colors and I have a Mets shirt and yeah, let me root for the Mets. Why did I, why did I do that? Why did I do that to myself? Why wasn't there somebody right there when I made this decision, when I was talking to myself in 1994, when I was eight years old, why didn't I just sit? Why wasn't there somebody sitting there next to me? Be that my older brother, my mom, somebody to just smack me across the side of my fucking head and say, don't do that, you jackass. The same year that I happened to pick the Jets as my football team. Why wasn't somebody there to just smack me across my fucking head and tell me, don't do that, you jackass. You just picked the two worst teams in New York sports to root for. Unbelievable. I said I wasn't going to talk to him. That's my, that's my little rant on the Mets, man. I'm, I'm done. I'm not talking about them. I'm not talking about them. They just, it's, oh my goodness gracious. Seth Lugo tonight against Severino. Watch Severino against this offense. Watch Severino go out there and strike out 17 Mets. Oh God. And they're going to, oh God almighty. Mickey Magic. Mickey Magic. This manager. This, this wonderful manager that we have. Oh, I, you know what? I'm done. I'm, I'm not even going to do it to myself. I want to end this pod. I want to end this podcast on a positive note. So I'm not even going to do it to myself. I really, I'm, I'm just not. I'm not. Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. I don't know what this world is coming to. Fouls of the week. And, uh, my foul of the week this week goes to Terrell Owens. Um, I don't know if you guys heard. I'm sure you guys did. Um, Terrell Owens this week, or late last week, said that he was going to skip out on the Hall of Fame induction ceremony, which takes place um, in Canton, Ohio, obviously. I believe if it's not that last weekend of July, it's that early, that first weekend of August, Um it's like that first weekend when the, uh, it's like that Saturday night and then the Hall of Fame game is that Sunday night. So it's like, like that first preseason game. So basically, um, he's going to skip the Hall of Fame ceremony altogether as he, you know, quote, he felt that it was just better to celebrate elsewhere instead of the Hall of Fame. And we all know why he's doing this. He's still mad. He's still bitter that he was left off the Hall of Fame ballot. It took him two years to get on, the, get in the Hall of Fame. Um, he was not happy about that. He was upset. He's been bitter. He's been angry about that. Even though he said, even though he's, he's made it sound like, oh, it doesn't bother me, but he's clearly been upset that he had to wait. And look, I've sat here on this podcast last year and fucking ripped the Hall of Fame to shreds. The idea that, that, cause I don't, to me, the whole bat first, second, third ballot and all Hall of Fames are fucking stupid. Either you're a Hall of Famer or you're not. 
Like, I don't sit there and say, well, you know what? He should wait a little bit. No. When you look at a guy's resume, is he a Hall of Famer or is he not? That's it. Like, I don't need to do this. To me, the ballot thing is so political and it's so just annoying. Oh, well, this guy gets in on the first ballot, but that guy, we're going to make weight. This guy, well, my ballot's too full, so I'm going to leave this guy off because I wanted to put this guy. All that shit is annoying. The baseball one is anno- the most annoying one, but I mean, football has their own fucking politics in it too. And look, T.O. pissed off a lot of people. He pissed off his teammates didn't like him. He pissed off coaches, obviously GMs. And so look, T.O. was not a beloved figure. I get that. But does it, is anybody surprised that T.O. is doing this? Is anybody surprised? T.O., at the end of the day, T.O. is going to be T.O. It's the most T.O. thing to do. It's T.O. to a T. You know, T.O. to the T. That's a, that's a good... It's a good line. But anyway, it's T.O. to the T. He's going to make it about himself. Even if he wasn't, quote unquote, trying to make it about himself and trying to celebrate elsewhere. You've essentially just made the narrative about yourself because now the entire ceremony is going to be discussed. Well, T.O.'s not here to accept his, his Hall of Fame. And usually the guys that are not there are either are dead, like they're dead. They're not, they're no longer living. So they can't be there personally to accept the award. So obviously they have their family. In this case, I don't know how they're going to do it. He's just not there. I don't know if he's going to have a video message or what, but he's not going to be there. And it's just so petty and it's petty. And then it, and it's not petty in like the funny way, but it's just petty. It's like, it's so childish. Like, okay, you're upset that you had to wait to get into the hall of fame. We all know you're a hall of fame wide receiver. There's no person on this planet with a right mindset. That doesn't think you were in a Hall of Famer. And I was never really even the big T.O. fan, but I'm not stupid. Of course he's a Hall of Famer. Of course. No, there's no debating that. You know what? Just take your, you know what? Hey, you got in. Just take your Hall of Fame induction. Salute everybody. Go to Canton that weekend. Give a nice 15-minute speech. Thank your mama. Thank your daddy. Thank your uncles. Thank your, co- your coaches. The people that were involved in getting you to that point. Nice, short 15-minute speech and leave and be done with it. And it's over. Instead, you choose to be T.O. and make it about yourself. Because, God damn it, they besmirched you. They besmirched your name. They kept you out of the Hall of Fame. You should have been in there like Randy Moss, first ballot. So in return, you're going to say, fuck the Hall of Fame. I'm not going to show up. I'll celebrate somewhere else. Or elsewhere, quote unquote. Who do you think you're sticking it to? You're only like like Shannon Sharp, and I love what Shannon Sharp said on on uh, on Undisputed. I believe it was Friday. You're screwing yourself. You're robbing yourself because you're not doing any. You're not changing anything. You're not changing anything. What do you think? Ah, because Tio decided to skip it. Now writers are no longer going to vote for the Hall of Fame. No, they're still going to vote for the Hall of Fame. It's not going to change next year. The year after that, five years from now, writers are still going to vote for the Hall of Fame. Like they've been voted for the Hall of Fame for the last 50 years. Whether I, you, anybody else likes it, that's, that's going to be the case. So I don't, I don't get what your plan here is or what you're trying to accomplish, but it just comes off as petty and childish. But it's T.O. So why are we surprised? Why are we surprised? It is T.O. At the end of the day. And in a lot of ways, it's it's poetic. In the night, in the night where he's going to receive probably the biggest honor of his professional career, 
And he chooses to do the most T.O. thing possible. Just not show up. And make it about him. So that's my foul of the week. Terrell Owens. Skipping the Hall of Fame ceremony. Just. Uh, uh, T.O. It's, it's, it's never changed, T.O. Never changed. Anyway, I'm going to get up out of here. Short show this week. Um, yeah, nothing much to really talk about. Obviously, the finals was a big thing. Um, oh, man. Did anybody see that fucking Crawford Horn fight from last night? Um, I don't, you know, I, I wanted to talk about it. I was prepared to talk about that fight more had there been, you know, some excitement level to it. I saw the fight. I didn't watch it in real time. I actually had to catch it. I had to pirate it somewhere. And catch it online. And I saw it and it was just like, whoa, I didn't miss anything. Um, Crawford just basically dominated Horn from the opening bell. I mean, just completely outclassed him. And I, and I kind of had a feeling that this fight was not going to be a competitive fight because Crawford was just, was a bad matchup for Horn. And I was right. Horn just completely outclassed him from, from opening bell on. I mean, it was just, you never in this entire fight, you never got the, the, the actual inkling that Horn was going to mount any kind of offense against Terrence Crawford, that he was going to do anything to actually inflict any kind of pain against Crawford. He just was completely dominated, completely dominated. I mean, it was a man against a boy in this fight. And now Crawford is your welterweight champion and he's now just, he just continues to rise up the ranks and dominates. And I, and I think it's, I think there's a, a strong argument to be made that Terrence Crawford is now probably the best fighter pound for pound in the world. Pound for pound, the best fighter in the world. So, you know, I was prepared to have a conversation about that fight, but that fight basically sucked. So, what well, didn't suck as far as like it wasn't a good fight. It just was a dominating fight. It just wasn't a lot to talk about. I mean, Crawford basically wore out Horn, which was no surprise. But I thought Horn would at least be a little bit competitive. But yeah, that's, yeah, that was that. And then CM Punk got his ass whooped last night. So yeah, I guess that UFC thing is not going to work out. Punk, just do yourself a favor. Just just quit. Please, you're embarrassing yourself right now. You're making yourself look bad. Like, just stop. Go either go back to wrestling. All of us wrestling fans are hoping, or just retire, go live somewhere with AJ, go write your comics and watch your Blackhawks play and just leave the UFC thing alone because you're making yourself look bad. I mean, you got your ass whooped by Jackson last night, by Mike Jackson. I mean, come on. It's, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, I'm going to get up out of here, man. I'm enough ranting and raving for today. Uh, as always, man, you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, anywhere where you can find podcasts, we are there. We're all over and we're available everywhere. So check us out. Um, if you like what you're listening to, you like what you hear, drop us a review on iTunes, man. I, I tell you guys every week, those reviews are so, so clutch. They're so, so important. It's what keeps the show growing. It's what keeps the show, um, you know, reachable and attainable to every, to new audiences, to new users, to new listeners. So, you know, the, the more reviews we get, the more we rise up the ranks in iTunes and, and, and search engines across the world. So, you know, keep dropping those reviews, man. We, we truly, truly appreciate it. Um, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing to the show. Without you guys, there is no podcast. So from the bottom of my heart, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, I don't know if I'll do it next Sunday, the podcast, or I'll probably wait till Monday or probably do it Saturday. Depends. I'm working on having a guest next week. So we'll see. It is Father's Day weekend. So, um, 
We will have a show next week. That's for sure. Just don't know when. Trying to set up a, a schedule for myself because uh, next week it will probably be a little bit busy. Obviously, it's Father's Day, so um, so we'll see. But um, definitely, we'll be back sometime next week. You guys will know. I'll keep you guys posted. Oh, I forgot to say. Um, yeah, follow us on Twitter at the TF Podcast One at the TF Podcast One. Follow us on Instagram at the TF Podcast. Follow us on Facebook. At the, ten- at the Technical File Podcast. Join our fan site, TFP Nation, on Facebook as well. Follow me on Twitter at, at the Manual Brown on Instagram, at the Manual Brown, and then on Snapchat, Manny Brown 15. So, or Manny Bro 15. Um, so yeah, like I was saying, man, we will definitely have a show next week. Just don't know when, trying to figure out the, the schedule, but we will definitely be back with y'all next week, man. Uh, until then, man, have a happy, safe, blessed week man enjoy yourselves hopefully the weather is great for all of you guys out there we will definitely hit you guys back up with another episode next week until then i am manny fresh your host we are out peace serious sir